Support comes from Datadog. Datadog integrates seamlessly with container technologies like Docker and Kubernetes, so you can monitor your entire container cluster in real time. See across all your servers, containers, apps, and services in one place with powerful visualizations, sophisticated alerting, distributed tracing, and APM. And now log management is generally available in Datadog, so you can unify your logs, metrics, and distributed request traces in one platform. Start monitoring your microservices today with a free trial. As a bonus, Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Visit dd.netrocks.com to get started. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here for a very special edition of .NET Rocks. Mr. Scott Hunter is here. It's build time. Some announcements were just made, and uh, we're going to be talking to him in a minute. One of my favorite kinds of .NET Rocks episodes, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, all good. But first, we have this little business of a thing we call Better Know a Framework. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, what do you got? People might not know because I don't ever often explain it what that means. Better know a framework. It's a reference to uh, the Daily Show, right? Or was it Stephen Colbert? Uh, yeah, better know a district, right? That was Colbert. Yeah, better know a district. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it started where I would just go into the .NET framework and look for, you know, these hidden gems, uh, uh, libraries, namespaces, that kind of stuff, and just go over them. And by osmosis, you would sort of learn stuff. But, uh, you know, as we sort of ran out of those, yeah, or at least interesting ones. You know, a thousand ones, or show, so shows later, you've gone through the whole framework. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so I started looking around on the web for things that are kind of neat. So, But we kept the name and we kept the music. Anyway, today uh, I have um, an online product, but it's not so much about the product. It's just about what it, just think about this, all right? Okay. Let's go to jsreport.net. All right. This is a JavaScript reporting server. Hmm. Yeah. This is what Crystal's been reduced to, huh? Well, yeah. Think about <laughs> think about how reporting used to be. Yeah, yeah. And it's JavaScript is eating the world, man. So yeah, no this kidding. is essentially you just code some JavaScript in HTML and you've got these beautiful PDFs and uh Excel spreadsheets and and all of this stuff, and it, it just runs anywhere and doesn't require a lot of ceremony to get going and it's just kind of just kind of hits me when i look at this that yeah you're making excel spreadsheets with javascript yeah <laughs> but not just that i mean you know reporting is a kind of thing that requires um a lot of you know a lot of work and a lot of setup and all of that stuff and yeah and JavaScript like just comes in and these JavaScript guys are like, hey, we can do that in JavaScript. You can do all the things in JavaScript. You can do apparently. all the things in JavaScript. So it's it really just something. kind of, like I said, it's the product is interesting. There's a free version and then there's a pay version. And the free version is probably good enough for a lot of people. But more interestingly, it's like, holy crap, a yeah, JavaScript no. reporting server. Yeah. That's a reality check. That's what that is. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. I right. like it. Totally, totally get what you're putting down there, brother. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Well, who's talking to us today, Richard? Well, considering we keep having him on, it's getting awfully easy to grab comments from Mr. Hunter's show. So this is from 1527, just back in March 
of this year, where we talked about the .NET Core 2 roadmap. Goodness knows what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> but maybe this comment will give you a hint, because Mark Rusi said, I've been looking forward to this episode since it was mentioned a few episodes back. Strangely enough, one thing that made me wonder about is the future of the full .NET framework. Are we soon getting to the point where there won't be a new version for it, other than maybe some bug fixes? It certainly sounds like .NET Core 2.1 and the Windows compatibility pack are getting us closer and closer to that day. Hmm. I have no idea, Mark. No, not a clue. Beats me. <laughs> let's uh let's i got an idea let's ask our guests but uh maybe we'll make a whole show about that uh, yeah so mark thank you so much for your comment a copy of music to code by is on its way to you and if you'd like a copy of music to code by write a comment on the website at dot or via any of our social media because we publish every show to google plus and facebook and if you comment there and we read it on the show we'll send you a copy of music to code by absolutely and definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We put them in an Excel spreadsheet with JavaScript. All right. Uh, a little nod to our... Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I'm going to introduce you this way. Scott Hunter owns .NET. All of it. All the good bits, anyway. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how are you, man? I am great, and it's build week, which is crazy week. So uh, yeah, you must be losing your mind, right? Uh, always lose your mind about uh, about three weeks before builds when you start losing your mind. It's uh, for some of the demos we're doing. Um, we had to have. Uh, I'm, I'm like, yeah, can I get instructions on how to set this up? And they're like, uh, how about we bring you a laptop? Oh, I'm like, hmm. oh yeah, that's that's uh, you know the bits are hot when they when the, when the Windows team hand builds you a laptop for right. some of your demos. <laughs> yeah, hot. <laughs> like, don't drop this. It's the only one. You know, we just released the Spring update. You know, uh, Monday the week before, right. and and now we're now we're at build, and technically I'm running the fall update. Yeah, and and <laughs> we just shipped the Spring update. So oh man, uh, that, so some some of my demos are actually running on the on the fall update or what will become the fall update in the future. So, mm, wow. Crazy. Well, so we're recording this on the second, but right now, if people are listening to this, they're probably at build and may have just seen your keynote. So yep. how was build, man? How, <laughs> how was your, how'd your keynote go? <laughs> so, so build, build is awesome. Um, first, 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 first off, some of the easy announcements is at, at uh, build, we announced the RC, of 2.1 right um so dotnet core 2.1 which we've been working on for a while um is now in rc um, yeah. and we hope to ship the rtm before the end of the month so i don't think people are gonna have to wait until uh june um if things stay on track and, and the feedback from the rc is not bad uh we will uh ship this thing uh before the end of the month and we can move on to uh 2.2 and that thing that i'm announcing at uh, build um so let's just let's just talk about two point one just super quick. Okay, um, sure. two point one is kind of a the the it's minor update to two point um, and our, our primary themes were if you're building us from command line, the the command line build experience was pretty slow, um, mm -hmm. and we made that super fast. It's as fast as .NET Framework and VS and VS now. Wow. So you know we we had a we had a big web project um, that contained a you know a large web app. And that thing went from, uh, I'm looking, 70 seconds 
uh, into the 20s, the, the, like 21 seconds for the preview. And for the RC, it looks like it's about six seconds. Wow. So uh, that's a massive improvement. So that's if you're building .NET Core from command line, building your apps from command line, you're going to be super happy with that. Uh, continue to close the gaps with ASP.NET uh, Core and EF Core. And so big features that come through here is obviously we uh, uh, SignalR comes to ASP.NET Core. Yeah. Big feature. yeah. Um, I'm very happy fact, about that. In fact, even even cooler than that, we announced a preview uh, of SignalR as a service in Azure uh, at Build as well. Far out. Uh, very cool. So, so you know, traditionally, SignalR is, a, is kind of a cool tech for doing real-time. Um, and it's got a, you know, it, what it does is it handles sending messages to hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of clients. Mm. Um, it's actually the tech that powers, you know, anytime you're in the office products and you're co-editing with somebody else and right. you're watching their edits live happen, that's all through SignalR tech. And the cool thing about the service is it takes all the hard parts of SignalR out. Uh, if you want to set, you know, SignalR is great if, you, if you're building your own little app, it's simple. But as soon as you want to build a, a signal R that you want to scale the back end of it, uh, you need a backplane tech and you need a bunch of stuff to make that work. And the cool thing about the Azure thing is you just make one in the cloud and you drag the slider back and forth to, oh. to as many clients as you want to support. So super, super, super cool, super simple. Oh, I love um, it. Um, other cool stuff in 2.1 uh, in the ASP.NET world, um, HTTPS by default um, is something that we put in uh, in support for, you know, as, as the web is moving more to HTTPS, we want to make the developer experience be awesome in HTTPS. And so we give you all the features like auto redirect your app back to HTTPS and to support HSTS, uh, as well. So all that kind of stuff's in, in, uh, in core, um, other cool stuff. Uh, we, we did some, some really neat work around, um, microservices. We have an HTTP client, uh, factory. Um, and what it lets you do is it makes you build HTTP clients, but you can actually put a bunch of rules in like, hey, when you when you call this, I'd like for it to retry uh, for three times uh, with five second delays between each retry. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of bake that into the client so you don't have to, you know, write loops around your code and try to handle all that exception stuff. So that, that's kind of, that's a, that's a pretty slick trick that we have in there. Um, we did support, you know, all the websites have the GDPR banners on them now. So we did that. We did add support for GDPR to ASP.NET Core. Um, another cool feature is we we took uh, the ability to put UI. Uh, you can now put Razor Pages UI into NuGet packages, and oh, so cool. it means in in the two one wave, if you want to add uh, authentication, you know the ability to log in and create profiles and stuff like that to an ASP.NET Core app. It used to be you might as well just go back to, to VS and say File New and start over because uh, the only chance you ever had to set that stuff up was at File New. Yeah. Uh, now that we have that that tech in the NuGet package, you can pretty much take any ASP.NET Core app that you move to 2.1. If you want to add authentication to it, you add the ASP.NET Core authentication uh, or identity UI package to your application, write a couple lines of C Sharp in your app, um, and boom, you're up to go. So we're super happy about that. Now, is that authentication, what is that? Is that just a standard authentication? That's not OAuth, is it? It, it is It is some of the OAuth stuff. So we, oh, we really? Do, we, do, we, we, we offer a couple of things. We offer... Um, uh, a variety of different authentications for ASP.NET customers. One is you can do just regular Windows auth. Mm. Um, we have Azure AD auth mm. uh, that you can you can use. We have um, Azure B2C auth, uh, which you can use. Um, and finally, we have what we call uh, individual auth. And that's where you just have a SQL database 
Um, and um, forms you know, we, authentication model. It does. It does. It does forms yeah. forms authentication, uh, but it has plugin support for you know all the auth providers, Google accounts, yeah. or Microsoft Microsoft accounts. It's got two factor support. Nice uh, with with codes and stuff like that as well. Um, so it's pretty pretty good stuff. Great. Um, and so that is now just a NuGet package away for a, a two one app. Um, other. Uh, things that I would probably mention would be uh, EF in the EF core case, uh, lazy loading we brought back. Good. Um, and so that makes, it'll make a lot of customers happy. Yeah. And we are showing previews of the first time that we support uh, non-relational databases with EF core. So we have support for Azure Cosmos DB. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, in the future, we'll take that support beyond just Azure. And, and I, I expect to have a Mongo and, and whatever else people ask for show up in, in, in EF core, you know, while we're on two one, and another cool thing that I, I want to mention, uh, that I'm super proud about is, uh, the perf in two one, uh, went way up again. Um, <laughs> of course so we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't stop working on this. This is, this is, this is now something that's, a we consider to be a journey. Um, mm. and the ASP.NET core perf, uh, we got ourselves up very close and, and, and past, uh, there's, there was one flavor of Java that was ahead of us. Right. Um, and we're now ahead of that. Uh, wow. so that was, that was a big goal where, where I'm really happy is, uh, our data performance. Um, if you, if you looked at our data stacks and, and ran the tech and power benchmarks that were database, um, and, and tech and power, that's Linux talking to Postgres. Uh, we weren't super great. Um, but we had the, the author of the, uh, .NET Core Postgres driver basically came and hung out with the team for a month in January. Hmm. And when he was here, um, he was able to basically um, make the Postgres driver a lot better. And what we found was um, where most of that uh, perf came from was the connection pool. So hmm. a lot of work was done to make the connection pool become uh, non-blocking. Um, Okay. And so we saw uh, huge performance imp- improvements um, in the Postgres driver. And then because, you know, it's an open source world, uh, the cool thing about that is, is, is shortly after that, then uh, the people who work on the MySQL driver uh, for .NET uh, go and take the, the work he did for the connection pool and put it into the MySQL driver, and suddenly it's a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Mm-hmm the SQL team at Microsoft goes and takes, looks at some of that code and puts it into the SQL client. And the SQL client on Linux, I think is up 400% oh, uh, wow. in this particular case. Um, and so it's kind of the cool thing about the, you know, the open source world is, you know, once it happens in one place, um, it doesn't take uh, a lot of work to, to have it just kind of, you know, that, that improvement show up everywhere. This is the kind of development that I love to do personally. I mean, I've always been interested in making plumbing go faster and better and more efficient because I started out in, as a programmer in the tools business, right? And so this yep. this really appeals to me. Like when you say the Postgres driver guy came, came and hung out with a team, man, that sounds like a good week for me. <laughs> I just love that, you know, that engineering challenge of, Look at what you can do. Try this. Try a few experiments, and then and then go to town. I love um, it. And so let, and so let's call out this to. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but uh, Shay Rajovsky. I'm going to mess the back last name up. But Shay's awesome, and, and I really um, am 
appreciative of the support he, he's given the team coming out and spend some time with us and then watching the rest of the open source world world pick that up so that's cool those are probably my, my big things on the uh on the uh .NET core 2.1 uh roadmap and as i said hopefully we'll be rtm in two or three weeks and uh we can move to the next thing so let's 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 talk about the next thing yeah let's talk about the the next thing what's the um, next thing well of course what if, if you're at 2.1 what's the next version after that is it 2.2 or is it 3.0 well hopefully it would be 3.0 <laughs> if, if you're a customer i'm not sure which one you want to yeah We've been, we've, been, we've been making major versions in .NET Core a little faster than we expected. We all thought that .NET Core would be two to three years, uh, every major version. So far, we've gone uh, a about about one year between one to, one to two. And yeah. and uh, I'm here today to announce that uh, .NET Core 3 is is in the, in the process of coming out as well. And so what we looked at is um, we started asking ourselves the question after, we, after the 2.1 work was done. Uh, we went and interviewed a bunch of uh, customers that are running, uh, building WinForm apps and WPF apps, um, and we say, "Hey, what's what are the what are the biggest pain points that you have?" Um, and some of those pain points are are one that I think is an obvious one. One of the big features of .NET Core all up was its side by side nature. Um, yeah. And so we talked to uh, a lot of these developers, and you know, I've got a I've got a customer on the East Coast that has. 12,000 WinForm WPF apps in their enterprise. Wow. Um, it just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, but then think about, you know, you know, we just shipped a new version of Windows uh, just a week ago, and that, that brought a new version of .NET Framework, uh, 4.7.2. And, you know, you're, do all those apps still work after we ship 4.7.2? And the mm-hmm. answer is, I can't promise you that they work. Right. Uh, we, try to, we try not to break stuff, but the, the reality is even fixing a bug can have a side effect or fixing a security problem can have a side effect. Um, and so the biggest complaint that we hear from customers is I don't want my apps to break when windows updates. And so, right. um, .NET core three is going to bring that same feature of side by side, uh, to WinForm and WPF customers. Nice. So what does that mean exactly? I mean, I know that, that, that you explained that, it, but that means we're going to take WinForms and WPF, um, and we're going to create what we call, uh, uh, the name's not, not locked in stone. It's going to take us a while to ship this thing. Uh, we're going to call it maybe the desktop pack and the desktop pack will be a collection of .NET desktop technologies that can now run on .NET core. Oh, so you're saying that .NET three will be, when you develop a, a, a windows app in .NET three, all the windowsy stuff will be just the same kind of thing that you're used to. But yes, all of the things that fall under the plumbing category of .NET Core will be running Core, like all of the the really performance stuff. Yes. So basically, we took .NET, uh, we took Windows Forms and WPF, and we ported them so they run on top of the .NET Core uh, runtime. That is awesome. Nice. And so wh- what that what that means is, if you want, you know, you can have one app on your machine running WinForms on .NET Core three zero zero. A different one using .NET Core 3.0.1, a different one using .NET Core 3.1. They can all run side by side and nothing will break. So, you know, if you're building a new app, you can always use the latest version of .NET Core. Um, if you have an app you don't want to touch anymore, you can leave it on the version of .NET Core it's on. Um, even even cooler, you're going to have the ability to, uh, once again, this is a, already an existing .NET Core feature. You have the ability to ship the framework with your app. So if you want... You can take .NET Core 3 and WinForms and or, and or WPF 
And your app basically contains its own copy of .NET, which means nothing can break it because it's actually completely self-contained yeah. with all those assemblies and all that kind of stuff. And you, you might freak out and go, well, that sounds great, Scott, but I don't want to have a 100 meg application. Um, well, And so one, one of the other things that we talked about um, at Build is um, we've had some of this tech that we've been prototyping for a while. Uh, which lets you link out the pieces of .NET that you don't use. So right. you can you could decide to go build a WinForm application and ship it with .NET Core three, um, and we'll give you the tool chain that'll actually make that app into a single exe. Um, and you can decide with that single exe whether it wants to carry a copy of .NET with it. And if it does, we'll use linker technology or or and, and other tech to say basically. We could decide to give you only the packages that are required for your app to run or the assemblies required for your app to run. Or, you know, if we if we go all the way to the extreme that we did with UWP, we can do full tree shaking and only give you the code that your app actually requires to run. Wow. And so suddenly, mm. you know, your your WinForm app, which is a single exe, contains the .NET, the .NET Core framework and um, is relatively small. Okay, well, uh, so so impressive and so amazing. I, we got to talk more about this, but hang on one second while we take time out for this very important message. Support for .NET Rocks is brought to you by Conversational UI from Progress Telerik and Kendo UI. Conversational UI are chatbot framework agnostic user interface controls and components that enable .NET and JavaScript developers to create modern conversational chatbot experiences in their web, mobile, and desktop applications. The industry's first package set of user interface components built specifically for chatbots are available as part of Telerik's ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, ASP.NET Core, WinForms, WPF, Xamarin Products, and Kendo UI for jQuery, Angular, Vue, React, PHP, and JSP libraries. By implementing key UI design features such as calendars, date pickers, list views, and others that are included in the tool sets, developers will be able to improve chatbot conversation through visual elements. For more information, visit Telerik.com slash conversational UI. All right, and we're back. Carl Franklin here, Richard Campbell there, Scott Hunter way over there, and we're talking, uh, we're talking .NET Core 2.1, and now we're talking 3.0. And you know the the whole linker and stubbing out technology reminds me, and I'm I'm sorry to geek out here on the old days, showing my age here, but I got my start at a place called Crescent Software, and they had this tool called PDQ for Quick Basic, and this is in the days when we only had a meg of RAM, right? I know it's crazy, <laughs> and uh, so the idea was that a, a Quick Basic program, Hello World, would be something like 50k. And the problem with 50K when you only have a megabyte or you only have 640K is that, you know, that's a lot, right? So if you actually looked at all the running code, it would probably only be about 1K, 2K. So they basically created a, a linker file in a stubber that could stub out all of these and replace all of these uh, libraries that the linker put together. I also remember uh, RemoteSoft was a company that we talked about on .NET Rocks back in the Mark Dunn days. That did just what you guys were doing um, with .NET. They basically packaged up and linked all the assemblies that we're using to create a standalone EXE. But I just remember them being much bigger than what you're talking about. You guys have the advantage of, you know, being writing the library and writing the framework. So that is a, a really amazing thing. And it's especially good for 
I'm the very few, you know, I, I would say the very few people who are doing new Windows development, but for those people who are doing legacy applications on Windows, that's really, really valuable. Yeah, it should should be awesome. Um, now, if, I, if I've got a guy, and I think this is a non-trivial number of our listeners, that's still living back in the four, five, four, six world, what's it going to take for them to jump up to three? Uh, .NET Core 3. Make sure it's not, yeah, it's not .NET Core 3. <laughs> Make sure we, 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 we call that. Yeah, not um, back to 2006, but yeah. <laughs> we don't know what that looks like yet because um, we, we're just, you know, I'm, I'm showing prototypes of this tech right now. But I, I hope that, you know, what it will be is you'll just take your application and you'll retarget it uh, to .NET Core. And the tool will fix the references for you. We know we can do that. Right. Um, and, and hopefully generate some kind of report that shows you what's, what might still be broken. So let me, let me just kind of, along with this wave, let me, let, me, let me kind of explain what's coming with that. So uh, it would be WinForms and WPF mm-hmm. and, EF, and EF6 would be the three pieces of tech that we think most desktop applications actually use. And, right. and there'll be some pieces of system web that would come with that. There's a... Not you know we're not bringing ASP.NET web forms or something like that, but we know there's common utility functions for encoding URLs and decoding URLs and stuff like that that are in System Web. Uh, there's some classes in, in WCF that are, that might come as well. Um, this will be something we'll just kind of as we get the first first preview out to the customers and we can and we can start seeing what their their, their apps use. Uh, but we have ported a few apps internally, um, and they were fairly painless. Um, we had some that just just worked um, out of the box. So nice. Um, but but I, I, let me let me nuance it a little bit more. Um, at the same time that we're doing the .NET Core uh, support for WinForms at WPF, um, we are going to give the .NET Framework customers a couple of of uh, things that are pretty cool as well. Um, the big thing we're going to give them is is uh, we want you to have the ability. Uh, if you build a WinForm or WPF application and you, you you put a browser control in it or you put a media control in it, right? Those things those things actually use really old tech. It's really ActiveX under the hood, isn't it? It's yeah. I, I don't know what it is under the hood, but it, it I know the, the the browser one is like EF uh, IE six, right? And uh, and uh, the uh, media one is like Windows Media Player, right? Level of uh, level of tech, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the challenge you have there is if you have a WinForm WPF app and you want to launch a browser to show, you know, a website, it doesn't understand CSS3 or any of the modern tech that we have in the browsers. It doesn't understand CSS1. It, it doesn't, <laughs> correct. Um, so it's, it's crazy. Um, but so, so what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that if you're a 4.8 customer, you get both of those two features. If you're a, a uh, .NET Core customer, you'll get those same two features as well. But you're also going to get the ability to have your WinForm and WPF applications host UWP controls. Yeah. So, so that means, let's say you got some old WinForm application and you want to make it touch aware so you can actually sign your name on the, on the app. You know, put a, if you want to put an inking control in that application, you're going to be able to do that. So there's some bridges we're going to make that, uh, that do this. But the, the thinking is, if you're a .NET Framework customer and you have an app and you don't want to change the app, or you just want to do slight modifications, um, mainly you, you care about you know browsers or modern media, we're going to give you some ways to, to take advantage of those things. If you want to go fully fully you know to the new world, um, then I'd recommend the .NET Core 3 path because um, you get the side-by-side. 
you know, you're going to get the hosting of UWP controls. Um, we hope to actually get some more high DPI fixes in for WinForms. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges we've had with high DPI is by, by actually fixing WinForms to be high DPI aware, we will actually break apps. So in some ways, I'm actually incentivized not to, not to fix high DPI on 4.x uh, because if I do, because there can only be one 4.x on the box yeah. by, by touching it, um, I'm likely to make pixels move and, and break something. So with the version of WinForms that runs on .NET Core, I can make those changes because they're, they're safer to make. Another thing we're going to do for the, uh, the people on WinForms and WPF with .NET Core is we've never, we've done, never done a good thing. If, you're, if you build a UWP app, you have access to all the latest Windows 10 APIs. Right. If you're building a, a .NET Framework app, you don't. And so we'll also bring access to all the Windows 10 APIs uh, to the, the WinForm WPF apps that run on .NET Core. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I think it should. You know, if you're um, the, the way I think about it is, if you're a, a you know WinForms and WPF customer and haven't felt love for the last couple of years, I was just thinking that. Yeah, um, we're we're going to bring the love to you. Um, now your apps can run on our crazy newest modern stack and get you know, all the benefits that that stack brings. What's great about this is that, you know, ever since um, Microsoft open source.net and C sharp, well, C sharp a long time ago, but .net, the .net framework and core and all this stuff, uh, everything has been all about cross-platform, cross-platform, cross-platform. And you, there are a lot of Windows developers out there that are like, hey, right? So I love this approach. I love the approach that you're, you're handing over all the, you know, the results of your research and, and development of core to make it more performant, to make it lighter and all of that, and just giving it to the Windows people. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I like to think of this as a wave. So, you know, when we, uh, and sometimes the wave even surprised us. You know, we shipped .NET Core 1.0 um, about two years ago. And um, when we did it, it, it was not very compatible with .NET framework. Um, it ran... Uh, a very limited version of ASP.NET Core and a very limited version of EF Core, but there was a base of our customers that uh, had that, that for various business reasons um, needed needed to run, have their applications be able to run on Linux. Yeah. And and so we built that version of .NET Core, and and while it didn't attr- attract the masses, it, you know, it, it did have a a nice adoption rate. And then with .NET Core two, we we basically took the feedback from all the people trying to port to .NET Core one. Mm. And it was, hey, you know, you're missing a bunch of APIs and stuff like that. And so, you know, give us another year and we have a lot more time to go move more APIs. And so we brought, you know, a ton of APIs back. Uh, we created .NET Standard 2, which which was the uh, standard of, you know, all these APIs will be on Xamarin. They'll be on uh, .NET Core. They'll be on .NET Frameworks. You could build a component that would work across all those, those platforms. And to me, .NET Core 3 is just the next iteration of that. It's like, hey, we have these desktop customers. Um, that have some requirements, some, some things they would like, and I can't really put them in .NET Framework without making a, a breaking change, but I can put them on .NET Core, so we put them on .NET Core. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, you know, after we ship the 3.0, you know, we'll do the same path again, go, hey, what are the, the big things customers are asking for? I, I do want to, mm-hmm. I think one thing we should, we should talk about, just because um, I know when I've talked to people, you know, before Build about this, um, one of the most common asks that we have is cross-platform UI. Right. And I want to be ver- very clear that this wave is, n- we're not trying to address that particular problem. This, this, you know, right now our, our big focus is 
primarily if you're a WinForm WPF developer and you're struggling with the side-by-side limitations, right. you want to be able to have self-contained, small applications, uh, you want access to Windows 10 APIs, um, you want to have the ability to host UWP controls. Yeah. Um, we're just trying to modernize uh, the Windows desktop experience. Um, that, that said, we might do a cross-platform experience. Um, you know, we, we talk about stuff like that all the time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, nobody yet has done a great cross-platform uh, experience. Uh, everything's kind of a cobbled-together thing. Mm. I mean, you know, there's Google's got their Flutter thing, and uh, there's a variety of people that have built, yeah. you know, uh, various apps. Xamarin Forms. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Xamarin Forms. Um, it, it, it uh, but the the real question: Would you ever build, you know, your mail client on iOS and your mail client on Android with Xamarin Forms? I don't, I don't know. I do think there's plenty of use cases for that. But I'm, what I was trying to say is, nobody's really kicked ass on on cross platform UI to the point that we're all like going, "Man, I want that one." Yeah, um, that's the best way to build it. One and one of the proofs is there's so many solutions because right, we're right. all feeling around for a good one. I want to get back to this topic in a minute, guys. But um, first, Richard, do you know what time it is? I uh, must be that happy time again. Yes. It's time to show how efficient funny can be with mm-hmm. Carl Humor 3.0. Ooh. So if you strip down a joke to its essential parts to make it more lightweight, it becomes easier to transmit and even more funny. All right. Here, here's what I mean. You did what? Most guys ride the camel into town to pick up girls. Okay. That's the punchline only. And see, just as funny as you can tell by the uproarious laughter of our (laughs) guests. Well, it is cross-platform. Maybe the Linux guys think it's funny. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I guess you never heard that joke. (laughs) You don't have to have heard it. That's the point. All right, never mind. It's time to give away a D-Experience subscription from our friends at DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. You know, everyone knows that DevExpress has great desktop controls, but their web tools are simply amazing. They have this collection of HTML5 JavaScript controls called DevExtreme. So at the heart of this product line are these really powerful controls like grid, chart, pivot grid, tree list, and scheduler. But DevExpress also comes with more than 50 touch-optimized client-side controls, data visualizers, navigators, editors, lists, dialogues, notification controls, and general purpose controls like a filter builder, range slider, file uploader, scroll view, and more. Now, since they're all HTML5, JavaScript, CSS, they include integrations with things like jQuery, Knockout, React, Ionic, and Angular. Plus, DevExtreme controls come with ASP.NET MVC and ASP.NET Core wrappers, so they're infinitely flexible. But don't take our word for it. Go for a test drive at dx.netrocks.com. That's dx.netrocks.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Randy Fuentes. Congratulations, Randy. Yes. Golf clap for you. Golf clap for you. And Randy wins the <laughs> D-Experience subscription. A big pile of awesome from our friends at DevExpress just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club and putting up with my bad jokes. And if you want to join that fan club, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club, but you got to sign up to win. And Scott, it's your turn, of course. If you had five grand to spend on technology today, what would you buy? 
Man, five grand. I don't need five grand. I, I, my, my current thing that I would buy today would be Nintendo Labo. A what? So uh, a Nintendo Labo is this really cool um, thing that Nintendo's put together, which is basically it's a box of cardboard. Um, and you make a bunch of, it's, it's like Legos for, for video games. You make a bunch of things out of cardboard, uh, like pianos and fishing rods, this entire robot pack. Um, and then there's video games. You actually, you stick the switch, Nintendo switch inside of this cardboard. And like one of them is you make a, these remote controlled bugs. One is you make a piano. And as you press the keys on the piano, it actually plays music. Um, one is a fishing game where you build a fishing rod, um, and you fish into this thing and, and, uh, you know, you stick the Nintendo controllers on this stuff. Um, and it's, it's kind of like Legos plus video games, um, with an erector set kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all, it's all out of cardboard. It's, it's, it's crazy. They, um, I love 80 bucks. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. That's amazing. There's two of them. There's, there's, there's two of them. There's the, there's the, 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 the main kit and there's the robot kit. Right. Um, and if and and if you if you go on Twitter and look, you'll you'll find that uh, many many adults, including myself, have have uh, have spent many a night uh, building this stuff. Even though it's designed <laughs> for my kids. In fact, I, <laughs> I, I I have not let my kids try it yet. <laughs> ah, that's really cool. I like that's it. That's Awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere near five thousand dollars. You can you can outfit a whole team with this stuff. <laughs> I can get, well, actually, for five, I guess in my case, I'd have to get one for each of my kids and probably my wife because I think we all <laughs> all enjoy it. At least. Yeah. Well, I had a bunch of switches, too. So, jumping back, can we talk about a XAML standard? Is there anything you want to talk about there? Yeah, uh, there are some announcements about XAML standard um, that uh, we made at Build. Um, the, the biggest one, um, XAML standard... First, first off, I think there was a public misperception about XAML standard. The mm-hmm. the public interpreted XAML standard to be cross-platform UI. Right. Um, that's really, you know, if I go back and I read the comments, uh, the comments were, hey, we really want to build, you know, you know, this is cross-platform UI. And as I said before, um, I would love to go look at this cross-platform UI story. Um, mm. You know, I'd have to go work on, work on that story with the Windows team. It's not just something that we would do independently ourselves. And that's right. something I think we will... Ask ourselves, I mean, we've already talked about, you know, if you take ASP.NET Core plus Blazor and you wrap that in Electron Shell, that's a cross-platform UI-ish kind of app thing. I don't know if that's interesting, but, you know, we'll we'll, we'll look into that. But but uh, from that point, we want to kind of clear up the confusion that it's not really, XAML standard is not about cross-platform UI. XAML standard was about saying uh, some of the XAML patterns that exist in uh, Xamarin Forms and some of the XAML uh, patterns that exist in UWP should be closer together. Um, so, you know, they shouldn't be two completely different dialects of XAML. And so mm. um, we announced uh, at Build that basically uh, a lot of work has actually happened in that space. Um, there's 30 changes to the XAML uh, between uh, uh, UWP and Xamarin Forms that have been made uh, to make some of the transition between those two platforms a little easier than they were in the past. Um, and then uh, the, the, the next piece of about XAML standard that we, we kind of talked to talked about build is we kind of did ask ourselves the question. It's like, hey, yes, we, we know folks are interested in, in cross-platform UI. Um, and we, we kind of said that we're, uh, we're going to go look at that and go see what makes the most sense. Uh, whether it's, uh, as I said, is it, is it ASP.NET Core with Blazor? Is it Xamarin Forms? Is it something different? 
Um, I don't think I know the answer to that. I don't think the Windows team knows the answer to that. Mm. Um, but we we all we all think there's value in that. I think you guys have had Frank Kruger on the show, and he's yeah. shown some some crazy stuff. That that, that, that there's lots of op- opportunities with WebAssembly, especially. Um, you know, you could we could basically build cross-platform UI inside the browser, and you get the benefits of the browser sandbox and all that kind of stuff. So there's right. That is amazing to me. I'm, I am so blown away by blazer technology and just because I have an imagination and I can imagine where this is going and it's a really, it's like utopia. It could be. It's, it's, it, it, it it is. And I'm, I'm, you know, you, you guys have talked about this. It it feels like, you know, the plugin models and all that kind of stuff that we've, we've, you know, been tortured with, with the web over the last 10 years you know, ActiveX followed by browser plugins. Right. It, th- this feels like it could finally the right work. Version, like it, the fin- the one that finally works. Yeah, it's, yeah. It doesn't require some ugly admin only plugin thing. It doesn't require some proprietary tech. Well, the um, thing that makes it, it work is all the browsers. You know, the browser manufacturers it. are supporting it. So there you go. Without so I, that support, you're just left to kludge. Um, yeah. So I, I. But you know, we're gonna we're. <clears throat> we are going to look at it and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll have something we can say publicly later this year about what our recommendations are for people. But I think there's lots of options and lo- lots of opportunity out there. Yeah. Um, before we stop, I'd like to talk about one more thing because we have, we had one more big announcement at build. Um, and we, uh, if you look at .NET, um, you know, we always try to look and see where the, where, where the world's moving. So if it's containers or microservices or it's cross platform, um, or if it's, you know, modernizing the, the UI on your desktop applications, you know, you see us always looking and trying to find the, the next thing. There is a space in, in, uh, the programming world that we've not really had a chance to dig into a whole bunch yet. And that's, uh, machine learning. Um, yeah. and, and so we do have some machine learning announcements, uh, at build that I'm, I'm super excited about. First off, we have, at Microsoft, we have two types of machine learning. Uh, we have one called uh, cognitive services, and this is a bunch of services in Azure that don't require you to actually know a lot about machine learning. Yeah, very high like level. It, it, it's high level, um, and it's, it's, it, I would actually recommend most customers to start there before you actually go further. And, uh, and I'll give you guys a great example of a of a, some work that we did. We were actually using um, uh, we we actually built an app internally uh, that would actually go look at our GitHub repo. And look at the comments and tell us which issues we should go look at based on which ones were the, the most negative. Um, and so, you know, we're using uh, one of the services to do that, uh, sentiment analysis with the uh, text analytics API. And I'll give you an example of where these APIs don't always work. Um, and this, is, this is purely made up. But imagine if you were a vacuum cleaner company and comment on your vacuum cleaner said, hey, this, this is a great vacuum cleaner. Well, obviously, the that that API is going to look at that text and go, "Yeah, that's that's a great comment. Um, <laughs> that's positive." Now I'm going to read another one. This vacuum cleaner sucks so much dirt. <laughs> now, in 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 my particular case, when we that's actually a positive comment. Yeah, but that but that API is going to see sucks so and go, "Oh no, Scott, you've got a problem here. You you uh, you need to look at this." And so. You get to a point where where sometimes the you know the the cognitive services kind of world might not be good enough for you because you need to actually train your own model because you know more about your product and 
and the way people talk about your product yeah. than you know just generic stuff. And so we had a, uh, an announcement uh, that we uh, introduced a preview of something we're calling ML.net. And this is, this is a machine learning library uh, for .NET uh, that we have a preview coming out for. And, and, and we actually showed the exact demo I was talking about before where, hey, we, we took this thing where the, the vacuum cleaner's comment did not work well. And in this world, you can build your own model um, and you can go tell us that that's actually a positive comment. Um, and so... Uh, so two, two things. Is this a Go wrapper ahead. or does this call Azure services or is this all local to the machine? This is actually local to the machine. So is this Seth is, Juarez involved? Of course Seth Juarez is involved. Yes, I it's, knew it's, it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's ML, so he's got to be involved. Uh, but the idea behind this is this is a developer-first API, um, yeah. and we try to take some of these concepts and really make them simple. Um, Great. The goals of this is, uh, some of this tech is actually, a, it's a library that we've been using internally at Microsoft for many years for our own products. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but we're having uh, part of our team, uh, the .NET team is helping the machine learning team help make the APIs more of what a .NET customer would, would actually expect. We've done a lot of work to make yeah. the API simpler. It does have UI as well. We have a UI tool that uh, you can click through and, and quickly build uh, some stuff with that as well. So you have two choices. You have a uh, the, the chance to go through a UI to, tool and load some data into it and see how the data works and change change things and uh, it'll spit a model out that you can then use in your applications. Or you're going to have the ability just to go and, and code the thing raw from, from scratch. We're going to give you both of those choices. Uh, but as I said, this is meant to be developer first. Um, it's actually a framework. Um, it's completely open source. Uh, so it'll be in GitHub. Um, you awesome. know, and... and uh, so I'm super excited about that. The, the other cool thing about um, uh, ML.net is we have reached out to the other uh, .NET uh, AI libraries that are out there, um, and so they can hook in as well. So we're not trying to, to you know, go wipe anybody out. We've been talking to the Accord.NET folks, um, and uh, they're hooking, we're making some bridges between that tech. Um, and so you know, hopefully this will be something. Uh, we, we don't think this will ship in RTM format for a while. Uh, we want to basically get it out there, get customer feedback. You know, are the APIs too simple? Are they too hard? Mm. Uh, but we re- we really want to get something that's that's uh, developer focused. I, I struggle a lot of times, and I go and hear about ML and AI and stuff like that. You see a lot of demos on stage, um, and you go, "That's kind of a cool demo." But you know, my, like one of mine is, you know, I've seen demos before where there's cameras and they, they tell you whether something's a cat, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I, imagine me in my session at Build. Who in the room has cameras on their customers? <laughs> uh, I expect no hands to go up. So <laughs> you would um, hope. <laughs> I would hope. Um, I can make a joke that I will not make, but I. I uh, so the hope is, and, and we have uh, on the .NET website, we have a uh, four scenarios uh, that we've done for the ML.NET stuff, and they're all broken down into real world things. It's I, we, we really struggled as a team to say we need to come up and 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 show examples of AI that make a lot of sense. And that, that's why that example I was showing before, hey, guess what? If I wrote a tool that would look at the comments in my GitHub um, and tell me which GitHub issues I should go look at, you could you, you as a customer could use that if you have documentation. It could tell you if your documentation sucks. Hmm. You could use that if you have reviews. I mean, the idea is we're, we're trying as a team to go and, and take some of this AI tech uh, and turn it into common things that the average developer would want to go apply to their .NET products. Yeah, great. 
You guys are doing amazing things. I, I just, I can't keep up. Yeah, it's a lot. Neither, I was going to say neither can I, but I, I, I am. You kind of have to. Yeah, it's kind of your job. So, I mean, there's still this fundamental challenge, and I don't know how you see this, of this split between the folks that are on the standard framework and the folks that are on core. How do you see, and I've, I've always get the sense that this, the guys on the standard framework are afraid, like the core is leaving them behind. Is there, there is, is there a solution to this? Are we going to end up with only one at some point? Uh, you know, I don't think we'll ever end up at one. And, and let me explain why. Uh, .NET Framework is a fundamental piece of Windows. Uh, there's Windows tech that depends on .NET Framework. Uh, you know, .NET Framework is installed on over a billion machines. Um, it is a core piece of that tech, and, and, and we actually think we can't ever change that tech. Right. Um, you know, the risk of breaking all those apps that are out there. Um, and, and so what I would tell the customer is .NET Framework will never ever go away. I mean, the day .NET Framework goes away is the day when the Windows operating system ceases to exist, which I don't see that happening in my lifetime, at yeah. least. Um, probably by his so, so .NET Framework's not going anywhere. What I, what I would, the message I would tell a customer is, you know, and, I, and we just announced earlier in this, in, in this interview that, you know, we just brought modern browser, modern media uh, to .NET Framework. Um, earlier this year or late last year, we added uh, the ability to do some dependency injection in, in system web. Uh, so there, there have been, you know, enhancements in .NET Framework. Um, but the big thing for .NET Framework is we want to make sure it stays compatible and doesn't break apps. Right. Um, and so what I, what I would tell you is if you have an app that you're just, you're happy with and you're not really changing it anymore, then you should stay on .NET Framework. That app should not move. There's no, there's no reason to move it to the .NET Core world. Now, if you have an app that, that has been broken by uh, .NET Framework updates, or if you have an app that you want to make take advantage of some new Windows 10 APIs, or uh, you, know, you want to add a UWP control to it, so you're actually modernizing the app, you're really working and changing on it, then I think you should start looking at Core, because Core is where we can make those investments in, in some of that tech, the WinForm tech, the WPF tech especially, yeah. without the risk of breaking all those old apps. Right. Um, and, and so... Um, as a customer, if you're not changing your app and you're just running it and you want to run it forever, .NET Framework's a great place. Um, you know, even if you're making bug fixes, you can leave it on that. But if, but if you're modernizing it, you, sh you might want to start looking at .NET Core because .NET Core is getting more and more compatible. Um, and, you know, because of its side-by-side -side nature, um, you know, it protects your app in, right. in many, many cases. Well, and it's certainly um, so when I, I want to be able to try it when I'm starting something new. I love the idea that WinForms and WPF are going to start playing along. It's just, a, you know, rewrites are expensive. I want as close to lift and shift as I can possibly get. Mm. Right. I, I tell this to customers all the time. Don't don't rewrite your app. I mean, we have people that come in and like, hey, Scott, I've got this WebForm application uh, that we built eight years ago, and we're thinking of moving it to core. And I'm like, do you ever change the app? No. Why are you mm. moving it to core? Well, I'm afraid WebForms is not going to be supported anymore. Um, <laughs> no, that's not the case. And so what I would I, I tell those customers, unless you're going to change the app and you're massively modernizing the application by in some other format, you want to run it in a container or something like that, uh, you shouldn't touch it. I mean, it's it's you're, you're totally safe running on .NET Framework. It's never going to go away. 
Um, you know, it's, you know, for the last couple of years, it's primarily been minor, minor changes and minor bug fixes. Um, and that's because, as I said, the compatibility problem, we don't want to break anybody's apps. And, uh, I think the .NET core world, especially moving WinForms and WPF into that world is going to let, you know, a class of customers that want to want to modernize their apps to move, you know, into the core world and not have those, those risks behind them. But, but if you're a .NET framework customer, you should not feel worried or freaked out or anything by any of the announcements we have this week. Um, you know, your, your, your tech's not going away and your tech's totally viable. So, and it, um, it speaks to the commitment that you guys have to just continuing to, uh, innovate and make things more performant, uh, appease different segments of the market. You, you guys are just killing it. It's a spectrum of choice. Um, yeah. and that's the way customers should look at it. They shouldn't, right. you shouldn't be freaked out if you're not on the newest thing, but if you build a new app, I would really say you should be looking at, you know, if you're building a new desktop app. You should be building that with uh, .NET Core three bits, uh, with WinForms or WPF. That, that'd be my, my my advice. But if you are maintaining an older app, leave it where it's at. It's fine until you until you want until you need some of those features that we have in .NET Core three. Um, and you know, stay Scott, where you're at. This is the same hysteria that we get every time there's an, a new announcement from Microsoft. Does this mean that X is dead or that is dead or we should do this? You know, it's an it's a new technology. It's not guidance. It doesn't mean everything that you're doing is wrong and now you should be doing this instead. It's not that. It never right. was that. We've been doing this show for 16 years and it's never been that. Okay, maybe except for Silverlight. But that's it. <laughs> but Silverlight was never an announcement. It just stopped talking. And Microsoft didn't have anything to do with that. That yeah. was an Apple decision, really. Hmm. It, it truly was. I will I will say that. But but uh we left the black hole of silence behind that one. So we didn't we didn't Well the thing the thing is is that every other instance, you know, when 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 Microsoft is at the wheel, you guys just keep innovating and making more options for us to uh to succeed. And that's great. Uh, one closing item is is the .NET Core three bits. Um, we showed them at Build, and we're going to try to have um, you know a preview of of those bits later this year. Um, yeah, it's too early for me to have a, any kind of date at this point. I mean, we have dates and in some internal decks, um, but the reality is we have WinForms and WPF running on .NET Core three today. Uh, we ported some internal applications at Microsoft uh, on that tech, um, so it is running. Um, and I hope to get a preview out this year, um, but you know, we'll we'll you know stay on top of our blogs and our, and Twitter and and uh, you know I'm sure as soon as we have bits to give away, I'm sure we'll be back on the show and talking to you guys about how to try it out. Well, I'm sure there'll be some previews and stuff along the way too. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about the first preview. Okay, I, I hope. To- uh, you know, I hope to get the first preview out, you know, later this year. Awesome. 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 Well, what a great show and, and what a great build. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. I know I am. Yeah, I <laughs> we always, should do this every struggle. year. <laughs> every, uh, every year we go, what are we going to do next year? And there's always something the next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great stuff, Scott. Thank you very much for enlightening us all and your great cool. work. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Dotnet Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.